0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm your host, Eric Kwanstrom, the CMO at Science. Today's interview is with Adam Robinson, and Adam is quite the charismatic, opinionated, and yet thoughtful leader. He's the CEO of retention.com. He's been doing that for the last four years. Prior to that, he led Robley email marketing as their president and CEO for nearly a decade prior. But what's really interesting, and I got to be honest, I hunted Adam down to get him on this podcast because he's been publishing a series of of posts on LinkedIn that are really shining a light on outbound and sales development and not always in a positive manner. In fact, he's, he's, you know, the setup, if you will, that we go into right off the bat with this interview is on some of what he had seen in his own organization, where he had stood up a sales development team, paid really good money on an annual budgetary basis and brought in Let's just call them suboptimal results and how he's pivoted his own organization to what works. And so ultimately, I think that the audience deserves to hear some of the stories of the good, bad, and ugly, if you will, from practitioners and very astute observers of our space. So without further ado, this episode, you're going to love it. It is chock full of really great takes. Here's Adam Robinson. And we're back with Adam Robinson, the CEO of retention.com. Adam, you, you came on the uh, radar, especially of the enterprise sales development podcast, largely because you've changed around entirely your stance on sales development, how you guys go to market from an outbound perspective at your company. And I thought it would be really interesting to dive deep and explore the space of why those changes, and you've been you know, writing on LinkedIn e- extensively about that. So first, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. you. Second, I'd love to crack this egg open. Tell me a little bit about retention.com and why you've made those changes.
0: Sure. As it pertains to everything that I've been writing, we have a person level identity tech that we sell to e-commerce companies. So this is like what I'm talking about when I'm writing. We have a B2B product that we're launching that I'm also writing about now, but we haven't launched it yet. So I have no idea (laughs) what we don't have a business. So I'm just giving you the context that what I am explaining is about a 20 K ACV annual deal sold into e-commerce stores that is entirely sales led there is no plg component to it anybody who's read my posts (laughs) knows i just think bdr this year as far as i have seen is totally different than 12 to 18 months ago as it pertains to like what we're doing and look i I talked to somebody yesterday who's i'm not seeing that at all but they sell it to engineers at nasa or whatever so super targeted super high ECV. he's we're still hiring, he Was but if you look at the engagement of my posts, it's clear that something's happened to a large portion of the market. And yeah. if you ask me what happened, clearly there was a funding shift in the world and people are buying less. So that's certainly responsible for part of it. But look, I think there are ARBs that exist in the world and outreach was an ARB at one point. <laughs> It is not anymore, right? Like automation tools and everybody's using Zoom Info and Apollo and everybody's using the same contacts from the same data companies in the same automation tools with the roughly the same cadences or whatever. AI is making it a lot worse. I, my personal position is that if you are on a list that's getting pulled from Apollo, like you're probably getting contacted 50 to hundred times a day across all of your channels. Yeah. So I think that the value of personalization has even, it, it's just relatively lower than it used to be because it's substantially harder to not just get what I do, my behavior with dealing with my inboxes. I can just see that it's someone trying to sell me something. And I just put it in my updates. <laughs> like I drag it from the inbox into the updates without even reading it. Like, right. and I'm sure a lot of other people are, are doing the same thing because what else would you do? These forces have, and look, in my personal situation, it, it was quite dramatic what happened. Like our VP sales resigned when we had ramped a team up to 15. And there was just other organizational nuances going on. And I was willing to see this thing out I wasn't about to chop him or chop anybody else, but our CRO, we didn't have a customer success lead and she had a bajillion direct reports. And it was like, look, I think that a lot of the demos that were being booked anyway, were just getting in the way of activity that was going to happen anyway. Mm. And if those people weren't there, we could catch it through automation and have a much faster... Sales model, just focusing on a much lower part of the funnel with humans. So we went from 16 people to five in the sales org, and we're growing at a faster rate from a higher number than when we made the change in May, right? Like we were growing at two percent then from 13 millionaire or 16 millionaire, and now we're we grew this month. We grew at four percent from a 21 base, right? So it's hard to argue. That it wasn't the right move right, right. <laughs> like our business is now 25 percent ebitda margin like it's it feels great and I, look the one pushback i get is have you ever sold unbudgeted seven digit tech the answer is no <laughs> my response to that is i don't think most people on linkedin have either yeah but i'll tell you what they were doing a year and a half ago they were trying to do outbound BDR. So for a 20 K CV deal <laughs> and something happened and it's not really working anymore. So anyway, that is the backdrop for, the, I post a lot on this particular issue. And it's yeah. a lot of it is just raise awareness for the product that we're launching, like a signals product, but that's the backdrop for the story. And by the way, we have stuff that's working for us without bound right now. It's just not a team of BDRs, which we're going to go into.
1: Yeah, we are. Um, and to paint additional context, again, and I can link it in the show notes, but for some of the posts, you were running a team that you were spending close to a million dollars every year on that BDR team. So just costs, like almost like your cost base is starting the year. You're at 875K, all in, headcount, all of all it. I'm guessing, too, even pre- Tell me this. Did you have spiffs included in that figure?
0: Um, yeah, that was an all in because you're okay. trying to go for the highest number possible. Sure, for sure. When it's LinkedIn, without being untruthful, <laughs> without someone being able to look at you and be like, you didn't spend that on that. <laughs> <laughs> so you kept it real. Yeah, yeah, was- yeah. But it's that's all in budgeting everything possible that's related to them into it.
1: And ultimately, That was the kind of like year in, year out spend and market motion, go to market motion. And you saw the same sort of diminishing returns that we're hearing a lot of in the space and made the, essentially the radical
0: decision to cut down. It was in a way it was made for me because this VP sales left. Yeah. And so it was like, what do we like replace him or do we just shrink the entire team down to four and then the CRO can make one of them sort of a player coach and do what she needs to do. Like that was, that was the decision.
1: Got it. And then pick back up the story, if you will, with your proof points of, Hey, this ended up not being the worst move in the world. In fact, just the opposite. We're growing at a pretty decent clip. And here's what we've learned in changing the entire go to market motion. To your point it's a different flavor of outbound. So let's get into what you used to do that you felt was counterproductive, again, diminishing returns, and then counterpoint that with what you're doing now.
0: So what we were doing is, I don't know if it's fair to say like the standard SaaS best practices playbook, but it's sales loft target list from Apollo the BDR, it's, it goes, we should do spray and pray. We should do personalization. Oh, wait, neither one of those work. We should go back to spray and pray. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm sure a lot of people are hearing this and going, yeah, that happened to us too. So three to six months of one and then shift to the other, having not a lot of success during the last 12 months at either one, Right. And when you're doing one, you think it's because you're not doing the other. And then you do the other. And then the only argument is you weren't doing it for long enough, but I don't know. To me, it's very clear what the problem is. It's the channel, right? (laughs) Like it's super hard to be and look. So that was the strategy. If you want me to elaborate more on that, it's generally what you wouldn't be surprised that we were doing. Now, what we are doing right now is, <clears throat> with these four AEs, I think quarter of their quota is outbound, and they're booking a lot of demos. But we set up this signal suite of technographic job change. I don't know. There's like a list of, I think I, I just got it sent to me. It is literally all about that. So we have, we're doing two outbound motions. One is signal driven outreach that is not even automated. Like they get the signal and then they hit this person with whatever they think that they should write. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then I think this might be unique to our space. The one thing that works better than anything. And by the way, 60% of our demos are, are inbound. Just for context, we've always had an inbound-ish business. And part of the thing that when we really grew our sales force, like I was just like, I think most of this would be coming in inbound anyway, right? Like I had this suspicion and it turns out to be true. We we do stuff, we we go to trade shows, like we have a partner network, we have partnership people, we have an affiliate network of like e-com influencers. But what, what works for us better than anything is if we can get these ecom brands into a room with people from our company and customers and some other prospects and like an influencer or whatever. So yeah. we have our target list. And when we have an event coming up, that's one of these things like our AEs are driving people to that event. And they're actually decently successful at doing that. Yep. And I think it's because it's actually pretty personalized and relevant <laughs> and it's not, it doesn't see. it's like we had this like wellness themed event in LA. It was our first big event. It was like a hundred person thing. We rented a mansion. It was like breath work and IV and cold plunge and all this shit. It sounds like a wonderful thing to take a day off of work and go do if you're sure. like a marketer in e-commerce, no surprise. We were like, we had a really high hit rate of people who definitely wouldn't answer a prospecting email. It was about our product yeah. who were willing to go there. And it was awesome. So, yeah, the answer to what are we doing right now? It's like probably half of the outbound effort is literally driving people to these events and they just use email to do that on our target account list and then the other half is all signal based. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I download various data signals from similar web users who added or removed competitors last month. Site that had ad spend growth by 20%, but bounce rates stayed high. Sites with traffic growth by 20% in the last three months. Created personalized cadences for 50,000K plus traffic site. That's a really good indicator for e business. The higher traffic, the more likely they are to perform well. Yep. On sales off from 80s lists. Anyway, so it's a bunch of different as many signals as we can get to suggest that this might be the time to hit somebody about this offer. Yeah. We won't do it without a signal basically.
1: That's it. So no, no more death to list led outbound is basically the way that you you might put it. We're still using a
0: list to try to drive people to these events, but the only way they land on the list is the signals. That list is our dream accounts and it's geo split, right? So if we're doing an event in LA, there's 300 brands in LA that we would die to have. And we know, so we will individually hit those people up and try to get them there. And we got, we got 30 yeses out of 300 to that. Just an FYI, there is absolutely no way that if we were emailing someone a sequence about our product out of sales loft, that we would ever get a 10% anything. But you send a personal email about this event and like people they know are going to be there or whatever. It's a better, it's a better form of outreach than totally. than a pitch.
1: Well, and I think that maybe there's even a case to be made that okay. events were dead. The pandemic killed them, like right. for marketers like me everywhere. Any event budget that we used to have in 2021 and 2022 is pretty much gone away. So I I've observed personally, a lot of pent up demand for people returning to events, getting invited, having that ability to get out of, if you're work from home, or if you're hybrid, or even if you're in the office full five days a week return, events are like finding their footing again on the landscape.
0: I, I, I am feeling like it's the only thing I want to be doing yeah and it's probably for that reason it's we're getting the covid unwind trade right now but there's a lot of different types of events also yeah for sure and it's very easy i I don't know if you get the but if you said yes to everything (laughs) you would be yeah you like we just get hit with this stuff oh so and so is doing this thing like in in three days and North Carolina. Do you want in for 5 grand? It's like no. <laughs> right. It's like we we wasted a bunch of money on that kind of stuff and realized that for us and again this is just for us, every business is different. A small to medium-sized event where we control the list mm-hmm. is where we crush because there's this amazing demand creation and subsequent demand capture that happens. Whereas there's another type of event where it's like it, there's this conference in our world called grow yeah. and it's hard to book demos at grow but like twice i have been on stage with the single most admirable brand in the Shopify ecosystem at the time the first it was dr Squatch. the second time it was it was uh true classic t's i don't know people probably heard of dr squash maybe not have heard of true classic but they're like 150 million in, in revenue in three years, right? Bootstrap, okay. insane story. And everybody knows and admires him and the guys out there making himself a celebrity and all that stuff. So that is like definitely demand creation. So I'm like, okay, spend 35 grand, 50 grand, getting in front of all these people. We're like the guy that I'm with is filling the room because of who he is. And then he's sitting there soft selling this room, our tech. Like yeah. that's something I consider worthwhile But there's this in between of a big show where it's an expensive booth and like the brands are walking around with their tags turned around because vendors are just hounding them or whatever. Like, we can't make anything off of those or we can't make those work. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to say like, events with a caveat. A couple of years ago, I was in a position where it was like, we got to do all events and now i'm like we got to do this certain type of event it's like one of two or three different scenarios where i'm like heck yes and then the rest of them it's like polite pass
1: yep and i love those elements that you teased out control is a big one for you guys the ability to target is another big one i'm inferring because you have a 300 as a target is definitely the definition of an ABM list or an ABM kind of like concentrated there's 300 marketers in in LA that we want to reach that fit our ICP and you can justify and, and run the numbers backwards on the spend for that renting a mansion and conducting the day long event with 30. And my guess is that you're super ROI positive, right?
0: Yeah, we got a bunch of sponsors too. That kind of thing works. That is like my dream. The only problem is if you want people to continue to sponsor at the rate they're sponsoring, you got to sponsor some of their shit, which is like the whole game is. (laughs) Can I throw a better event than them and they know it, then throw them 2,500 bucks when they want an event and get them to sponsor mine for 15K. I think if we can exist in that world, but you actually have to have the best event product, which... We did with this one. Like people were like, "This is you know," what I mean? it was just so much better than a corporate event. It was, yeah, it was yeah. so nice. You're not just shoved in the room it, by the airport. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're like some of these things to me. They feel like a third world hospital. Like you're just sitting in like rows in these uncomfortable chairs. Someone's fucking droning on about God knows what. You're just like, I really probably your product. it's. Like I really Really don't care what you're talking about, like <laughs> emphatically, right? <Yeah>. Anyway,
1: <laughs> no, I love that color. It's interesting too, because ultimately it's deciding where to put your money, your bets on the board, so to speak. And maybe one of the great lures of sales development or outbound for so many years was after you spend for the headcount, which a lot of companies would justify, anyways, as hey, these SDRs are the farm system for our future AEs as I grow there, it's costless exercise after the tech stack. You're not necessarily spending money a la individual events that you have to justify the ROI from it's more or less just, Hey, let's see how productive this headcount becomes. Yeah. Which is a different ballgame. And, and again, when the numbers change and I think you probably hit a nerve with your posts on LinkedIn where other people are like, here's my overall spend and the CEOs and the CFOs and the people minding the, that really care a lot about the CAC of any new lead coming in the door, <clears throat> customer acquisition cost, fully <laughs> fully burdened, yep. just isn't adding up. We've got to change. And then you go searching for new or refined, older ideas that might work better.
0: What I think is like the thing that gets people salivating the most about my posts is A, I don't have investors. So look, I'm still growing, but I really don't care. You know what I mean? It's, (laughs) it doesn't really matter if I post a down quarter, right? Yeah. Whereas it can be pretty severe in some cases, if you do.
1: So I think that people,
0: yeah, I think that people believe what I'm saying. It's like, they have all these BDRs, but possibly 80 to 90% of the productivity of these BDRs could be captured by one really talented growth marketer Mm. (laughs) because they're not actually creating the demand in the first place. They're just capturing it. Right. That's the thesis. So it's, and, and look, I don't know the problem with how I'm running my business now is it's very hard to understand it all. Cause it's like mostly inbound and our salespeople have a required field to fill out of like, how did you hear about us? And it's hard to deduce much from that, mm-hmm. but like, how do you argue with, we are growing faster with, one third of the sales team than we were six months ago from a higher revenue number. Right. <laughs> it's really hard to argue that it was it's not a it's not at least something that should be contemplated. And then For I think sure. it really strikes a chord because everybody knows the funding environment's a lot different. Everybody knows there's gonna be a lot of down rounds if you don't figure out how to run your business at break-even, at least. And so I think that's another thing some people said. Man, if what this guy says is true, then all these people around, I could literally replace like a million dollars with a 250K, like growth marketer guru, get the same output, and then I'm not screwed. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I think that's a pretty cogent, very favorable argument. And it's funny that you don't have investors because. The the mantra for most VCs that I've heard over the last 18 months has been more with less. Like the exact opposite of the funding environment from the decade plus prior, which was grow, doesn't matter how much it costs. Now it's more get profitable and lower your burn yeah. rate because you're not going to raise a second round. Right. In this environment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So interesting. You said the decision was forced upon you with your VP of sales leaving. I'm curious that iteration, did you think of it in the terms that you just described it to us as this is essentially a growth marketing hack at the time
0: or no? Not in those words, yeah. I hadn't come with the, up with the vocabulary yet Okay. when it was happening, I was My personal belief was that a lot of our business was inbound and would come in, whether these people were there or not. That was how I was thinking about it. Sure. And I thought to some extent, if you have a healthy inbound flow, every salesperson you add, they are probably adding incremental deals, but they're slowing the whole machine down a lot. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? There is a level. If you have good word of mouth, where you can have a sales team that's focused on the bottom of the funnel, where they're like optimized in feeling like there's deals everywhere, which is amazing for their confidence in their paycheck, yet still have the capacity to do appropriate follow-up and some signal-based outbound. Right. So I felt like we could get, and, and look, we're not a huge company, but 22 million AR bootstrapped. We have four A's. I don't know whether that's a lot or a little. We have 65 total employees. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, 55 total employees. But yeah, these guys, we have one BDR. And quarter of their quotas related to outbound. It's all signal-based and driving people to events. And yeah, I felt like when the team was a lot larger, that incremental 11 bodies wasn't really doing much. Not that they weren't doing activity, right? I I didn't think that they were materially impacting our growth. right? And it was creating the opposite paradigm of everything that I described about that optimal level of people to flow that I was talking about. Like, dude, it sucks to have excess capacity in your organization, especially if you're in sales. Mm-hmm. And you're getting paid on closed deals, right? Like you, you, you want a smaller team. People were asking us like, what do your salespeople thinking? I'm Like they fucking love them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like they fucking love that. There's only four of them now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, not only are they like sealed team six, they're just going to make a lot more money. Right. So, yeah, that was how I was thinking about it really. It was like a bunch of Chris Walker, <laughs> Chris Walker, LinkedIn content that got me putting the vocabulary about capture create demand which by the way i completely agree with i don't think the guy's full of shit at all i think the reason i want to do stuff like this is because you just never know where demand gets created for your product right i want to be on as many people in this world's podcast as humanly possible totally we're not far enough along in our product evolution of the new product to like being pretty, I just got bigger fish to fry but this is the reason that I'm doing this like yeah, it's, yeah and there's just no way if the seed gets planted in somebody's head for the first time on this podcast there's literally no way we'll ever know about it because they'll hear about Never. it in other ways you but it's you got to do it I believe that, right? Like, I, It's almost like I want to write a book called You Can't Measure This and talk about all the crazy shit that I do. Like, I made a fucking docu-series about the last year. It's like a Netflix – look – go to Retention Adam on YouTube. You will not believe this show that these people made about scaling our company the last 12 months. It's unbelievable. 18, 10-minute right. 18 episodes. And it's like – I don't know. The world is set up to absorb content like that. So yeah, I'm trying to figure out – Part of this new way, like I'm trying to figure out, I'm being, uh, with this new business, with a BDB, I'm going to do it PLG, super community driven, right? Like I'm going to just be, try to be as transparent as possible in every single, literally show our competitors exactly what we're doing. Here are the email threads, right? And make media around it that brings story to it in a way that will make it even more interesting to people. I do.
1: And it's interesting that you mentioned kind of Chris Walker and the, and a lot of the diatribes that, that we've seen, which I agree too, we're in a different era. And I think my narrative on this slightly askew from like a, a normal enterprise sales development talk track, but as a marketer myself, one of the things that I've observed is. A lot of my brethren, a lot of the birds of my feather marketers that have come up through the ranks of when it is digital, it can always be measured. And therefore, if it can't be measured, it must not have been good, right? Or it must mm-hmm. not have been real and yeah. it must not have happened. And I'm, I'm either fortunately or unfortunately old enough to have seen like a world without measurement, yeah. <laughs> a world where people used to say the phrase and not jokingly. Yeah. Half of my advertising is wasted and I don't know which half.
0: Well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And now we're in a world where, you know, the term dark social is one that's very closely associated with Chris. Um, But I'm a big believer that if you lean too hard into the attribution of anything, you're going to really miss the forest for the trees. Because you can't get into the four walls that you don't occupy. You can't get into the brain of people as they naturally network or coalesce or come together in communities or groups. You can't be in every conversation. (laughs) much as we'd want to, you sure as hell can't trap down anything that happens at an event with any kind of like digital precision whatsoever. And so ultimately I I think about the world of tomorrow as like the great detaching from an adherence to all things must be measured in marketing. Otherwise they can't be done and we can't fund them and we can't run campaigns around them.
0: Yeah, I think the more chris's voice gets out there and like he runs an agency but still it is 90 like it's 80 percent attributed to linkedin on self-report attribution and it's a hundred percent related to it right no one is working with him who has not spent a long time listening to his linkedin right there there, there's no fucking way even if it even if they say they originally heard about him some other way They are working with him because of his LinkedIn. So I think the law and look, actually he's having dinner with him. He lives in Austin a few weeks ago and he was like, I object to the statement that all companies are media companies, (laughs) but some companies are media companies and they crush, Yeah, (laughs) right? So I'm just trying to do this in a way where I'm a media company, right? Like I'm making a lot of content, like it's very purposeful and Man, what I want to try to do in this B2B thing is be so outrageous in the level of transparency in telling this new way story in this anti-VC thing and all this stuff that are my pillars that I talk about That mm-hmm. and like literally like public barometrics dashboard. I'm given full financials every month and it's like people can't just be like, they have to talk about it. They're like, that guy's fucking crazy. Like he's not only doing this, like he's making a fucking TV show out of it so like that because I feel like there's that angle right now and then if a few people start doing it it loses its novelty but I know that I can do I can deliver on the media side and I was just underutilized this last year so that's I can make a low cost bet that has potentially enormous impact yeah if I can get that right because it's I think it's very simple. It's like this story, it's like telling the story about yourself. It's like most people are not going to be able to do it, but like the story that like, you know, Chris Walker understands something that the Kardashians understand that Alex Hermosi understands that I also am starting to understand, right? If you can provide a level of immersiveness into your world, it creates a connection that cannot be created any other way. That's right. So that's maybe a I'm better way of
1: put that would be to flip it around and say the technique and the way that you're going to market is actually the
0: moat and the differentiator. This is what I think. Yeah. Dude. I, so I don't even have a prog- product yet. I made this LinkedIn post that was, so I've been talking about things around the product for the last three months. I literally finally was like, I talked to 25 founders or 25 people who used demand base in six since the last two weeks, which was true. I'm like, why'd I do that? And then I just literally described exactly what the product was. Mm -hmm. We got 75 hand raisers. Uh, I'm not even kidding. You can see, if you go back and look at the post, like there are 312 comments, at least 50 people in the comments said yes. And then I got over 50 DMs, super qualified, all revenue leaders is amazing. And like warmly prospected those people. (laughs) <laughs> like i got bored in a ton of emails but like people are like were you upset about that i'm like no because i'm the leader yeah you started if Warmly is prospecting on my post which got 460,000 impressions and he sends an email to 40 people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the subject line is retention.com slash adam robinson's post i'm winning <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. i don't give a shit that he prospects right like it's yeah. It's just a wild thing.
1: It is. It's the new rules of business. I think as we go through this unbundling, go through this. What should people make their buying decisions and cues? Where should they take their cues from? Is probably a really interesting discussion to have. And then if we rotate back and come full circle, one of the, the cases that could be made is how do we in a sales development world, reattach sales development properly so that sales conversations can start with them and make it meaningful and make it like worth any prospects time because arguably like diminishing returns is the market voting with their lack of clicks or lack of engagement in
0: an opposite case. Yes. I'm still chewing on that by the way. Yeah. Cuz the thing that I think so in case you haven't picked up from my rant about video and everything that I'm doing. I think video is one of the most underappreciated tool. I'm literally like some of my posts I'm copying Chris Walker's format cuz I'm like this is so incredibly effective and I don't see anyone else doing it. So it's not saturated yet. Like it's a heavy text post with all the things that a heavy text post is, but like the full weight of that post is also in a video, and they do incredibly well. Like you would not believe. Like I had a video that I posted two weeks ago that that got forty thousand minutes watched. Oh my god! So I think the purpose of this content in the first place is automated trust building. Period. Full stop. Why do you create content on LinkedIn? You are automating a trust building machine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Trust equals brand, in my opinion, in B2B, right? So I believe that not just two times, not just three times, there is a substantially greater amount of trust created if you and your face are attached to this and people are watching you talk, Yeah. Right. It is a magic that is unquantifiable. It is the reason that great leaders get to power. Like you cannot sit there and listen to someone speak about anything halfway intelligent and not have them elevate in status in your head. Yeah. It's impossible. This is just part of being a human. So this is another bet I'm making. And what I'm confused about is. I'm pretty sure that I can continue to build this. I can continue to compound this LinkedIn attention that I'm getting. I feel like I've got this sort of playbook down and I can use some other people I work with to, we can all work off each other. I think that audience is big enough for me to not even need to prospect outside of it for the first six, 12 months or something like that.
1: Seems, seems like a fair assumption.
0: I should be emailing these people off of an address that's Adam Robinson, right? I'm using Instantly and warming up domains and shit so I don't fuck my whatever, but like I'm doing that whole game, but like Adam Robinson should be emailing these people. Yeah. Not somebody else. The question is, if you're going in being like, by the way, feedback this, or I'll give you whatever the move is to get your early customer base. Like at some point I can't be on 500 phone calls per month, right? So how is there an elegance in a handoff to someone who is a more traditional sales role that can work as well? Because it's what's the trade-off between, you don't want to drop deals, but like you can't, yeah. So that's what, that's a big struggle for me. And I think most people would agree, like. The megaphone, all of these things that I'm saying are true, right? Yeah. Of course you would take a bigger LinkedIn presence if you were selling into salespeople and marketers and recruiters would be good. Of course, if you're good at video, you would do that also. But now that's done. How do you make it? Like, how, how do you build a sales org around that? Yeah. And still make the person feel like they're connected to you or whatever. And they're not just talking to, you know, do, do you bring the, yeah. Do you bring the reps into the content? I don't know. Like, maybe there's a way to do that. Like, the the this is whatever, ancho and Lefty or something. I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking about like the classic founder struggle in slightly different terms, which is the ability to replicate or scale oneself. Yeah, and I would offer back the validation that. I think your your ultra transparency, your honesty, if you will, your candid nature. I do think that those are the elements of trust and you can give away your secrets all day. Competitors won't be you. So in a sense, like it won't matter. You know right. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the go-to-market is a, a cycle of one and what you're oddly enough, the conundrum you're struggling with right now is like, how do I scale that? Without losing any of the authenticity of right. what you've effectively built.
0: Yeah, if it, if the handoff is to something that's perceived as robotic or not me in a very obvious way, it doesn't work. Right? Yeah, like
1: I it'll it'll literally run counter to the brand and the way that you've built it. Yeah, which would be a big right. turnoff, I think. Exactly. So yeah, it's, that's that's a really interesting conundrum to solve for. Fascinating, fascinating journey and perspectives here. I'm curious, what are some of the other angles or unintended consequences, if you will, that you feel like you've realized from unorthodox moves over the
0: last calendar year? I hate to say this, I basically measure nothing. I really hate to say that. Like we, we do the, we do this and, and I've completely, and I'm embarrassed to say this too. And I'm sure if people are listening, I'm going to get a thousand messages on LinkedIn of people trying to sell me their services. Like we were trying to solve the RevOps problem to get accurate reporting. We were just like, guys, even if we had this and we like add the $500,000 a year team that it's going to take to get it and go through the months of struggle that it'll take to get all this accurate? Would it change our behavior? Because on the D 2 C side, we know exactly what we need to do. We need to stop selling to people who are too small. We need to chip away at churn and move up market. Like probably every single other SaaS company that exists in the world today. Yeah. So none of that really has anything to do with accurate reporting in Salesforce across channels or like whatever else. Yeah. So that is an interesting thing. I think on the B2B side, it might be a bit different because I think my opinion is like, RevOps becomes very important when you actually have capital allocation decisions to make. Mm -hmm. You really want accurate reporting. If you don't, then I don't know. I don't think it's that important. So there's that there's, I have, and I think the macro environment has probably made a lot of people surrender to this. I've just surrendered to the fact that I don't really have a lever to pull to make it go faster. It's just going to go how it's as it goes. Yeah. And I make a bunch of posts about the predictable revenue model. And if you do what I'm doing, you're sacrificing perceived predictability, but you get back a lot of profitability and less headache,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: but you don't know what your growth is going to be. Like, I didn't know we were going to have up 4% this month. I had no idea. I was pleasantly surprised to see that's where we ended. (laughs) You know? And it just happened that way. It was, the opposite of what I thought we were setting out to do when we started scaling from, we like started hiring a bunch of people and trying to turn it into a real company when we were at like 8 million ARR a year and a half ago. I feel as though the world that I'm comfortable operating in is that world of opacity that we were in as an $8 million SaaS company when it was, look, it's just working. I don't know. Yeah. Let's keep chopping down churn. Let's figure out how to sell bigger and bigger deals. And it's going to keep growing. That's that's what happens. Those are two big things that I, that if you would have told me, it's like, if you'd told me a year ago, I wouldn't care about this go-to-market report being accurate or not. I would have been like, you're out of your mind. And I'm just like, whatever. I'll look at Metrics. If it's a little wrong, who gives a shit? Right. I know where we're at. Like mostly. Right. Like.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective and it harkens back to the pattern match that my mind went to is the very famous quote slash mantra that Paul Graham used to embrace at Y Combinator, which is do unscalable things. Mm -hmm. And you, we've talked about a lot of those here in a way that like, again, may not be RevOps approved, but work anyways.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't know in a way i think it's our secret weapon the ability to just pursue crazy things that no one would ever approve of
1: because
0: <laughs> stiff. some of them will work and by their very nature if no one would ever approve of approaching it that way then it's going to get attention right because mm-hmm. it's just like, whoever the ceo of i don't know what company chili piper looks at it and they're just like man like you're really taking this transparency thing to the next level <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, and it's shocking because they could never do it right they could just yeah. they're not in a position to ever do anything like that um so interesting
1: you could make the argument that a lot of the world is constrained by their own like investors board goodness knows we we just came off of For those listening, we're recording this at the end of November in 2023. We just came off of OpenAI losing their CEO, having him fired, (laughs) returning back to the role and the board themselves being out
0: the door. So goodness knows what flies these days. With that said- I will keep reporting on whether or not what I am doing is working. So uh, you'll know. (laughs) You'll know whether this insane idea that is in my head of how I'm gonna grow this B2B business actually materializes. Yeah. Not?
1: Adam, this has been quite a, a fun, like not your usual fair conversation for those that want to approach you directly, who knows, maybe even with the sale in mind that emerges from dark social
0: in this podcast, where should they go? LinkedIn's the best place. Retention, Adam, I post a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Easy to find you. Yeah. Cool. Thanks again for joining us in a wonderful conversation.
0: Thank you very much for having me. This is a good one.
1: You bet.